There we are. Good morning, everyone. I'm Lois, if we haven't met already. And in case you haven't noticed, there's tea and coffee at the back, there's juice at the back. So do you know what? Make yourself at home. If at any point you want to get up and get a brew during the next 20 minutes, I don't blame you. Get me one as well while you're there. I'll cup of tea. Make yourself at home whilst you're in church today. We are going to buckle in for about 20, 25 minutes. Thanks so much. Very kind. Ta. Um, and we are going to look at part two of a message that I started a few weeks ago. And I told you we'd be back, and for some reason, they've let me come back. So we are going to go for part two. We are looking at the topic of loneliness. And we started a few weeks ago by unpacking what loneliness is, by acknowledging the fact that it affects so many more of us than we probably even thought. And having conversations with people since, I know that it's not just something I've walked through. It affects so many people in here, and I'm sure so many of you watching online. So I'm just going to recap what we covered a couple of weeks ago, because if, like me, you've slept since then, you've probably forgotten it all anyway. So don't worry, we'll just do a few minutes of going over it. Loneliness um, is not a 21st century problem. I do think that it got worse as the pandemic hit. I think that social isolation made it a whole lot worse. I think technology and social media can sometimes make loneliness a whole lot worse. But the truth is we are in the middle of a global loneliness crisis and we've been here for a long time. And in fact, loneliness isn't a new thing. It actually existed since humans entered this world. Loneliness arrived before sin did because loneliness isn't a sin. Loneliness is an emotional experience. And loneliness can affect us all in different ways. Researchers put it like this. Researchers say that there's three kinds of loneliness. There is intimate loneliness, which is like that desire for a significant other, a partner, a husband, a wife, a child or a grandchild, a desire for that intimate relationship with someone. And then there's social loneliness. And social loneliness is wanting quality friendships, like people who just have your back, people who are there for you, who love you, who put up with you on your worst day. Quality friendships. And then there's collective loneliness. And collective loneliness is about that longing for a network, a community of like-minded people that you can belong to and fit in with and just think, these are my people. So there's intimate loneliness, social loneliness, and collective loneliness. And the Bible is also no stranger to loneliness. Last time we looked at how there's so many examples and stories of people who dealt with real life loneliness. There is Joseph who faced loneliness in prison and in slavery. There was Joshua who faced loneliness in his leadership. There was Jeremiah who was called to a single life and how lonely that made him at times. There was David whose mental health meant that he just often felt loneliness. There was Jesus who cried out on a cross, God, where are you? I feel abandoned and alone. So the Bible isn't a stranger to loneliness either. But every time we unearthed one of these stories about loneliness, we found this like hidden golden nugget. Every time we'd read about loneliness, we'd see this little phrase. And it's so small, like blink and you could miss it. But when you zoom into each story, it's like God's popping up. And every time it would say, the Lord, your God is with you. Because no matter where you are, 
no matter what you're facing, no matter if you feel physically alone, spiritually alone, emotionally alone, relationally alone, God is with you. That's the promise of our Emmanuel God, that he is with you. He is close to you. And so that was the foundation that we built. We built this foundation leaning on the promise that God is with us. And today what we're going to do is put the building blocks on top of that foundation. But it's important that we start with that, that we start with the promise that God is with us and that we know that that is a promise that we can't escape from. It is true that God is with you. I've been reading this book recently, my friend lent me, called The Pleasure of His Company by Dutch Sheets. What a rock star name is that, Dutch Sheets. But don't try and say it over and over again, it'll get you into trouble. The Pleasure of His Company is a great book. I'd lend you it, but it's not mine to lend you. And I think that's theft if I just give it away. So go and buy it yourself, you cheeky things. The Pleasure of His Company. I love this book because what it's done is made me ask questions like, but why? And that's a good question, you know, to ask. As you are exploring God and as you are getting to grips with the Christian life, it's good to ask the question, but why? God, but why? And so the question I've been asking about God recently is, but God, why did you do it like you did it? I've been thinking about how he created us and the way he designed us, because God is like our manufacturer, right? He designed us and created us. And I've been thinking about how the fact that he's just made us so like reliant on him and relational with each other. And I've been thinking about how if God asked me for my feedback on his creation, like just say he sent me a survey and was like, Lois, if you've got a few minutes, let me know how you think I did. If you've got any pointers for things I could have got better, what I maybe would have suggested is that if he'd made us to be people who aren't actually like relationship driven, aren't connection dependent, the world would be so much easier. Because like 99% of problems in life, I'm convinced, boil down to relationship issues of some sort, friendships breaking down, relationships breaking down, business partnerships breaking down. I'm convinced that like 99% of my youth work issues that come up boil down to relationship issues. I'm convinced that loads of times when people walk away from the church, it boils down to a relationship issue that somewhere went wrong. And sometimes I'm like, God, you know, if you just didn't design us for relationship and community, you know the world would be a lot easier, right? And then God was like, like I said, didn't actually ask for your opinion. So pipe down. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to note that there. So I'll just leave that between you, me, and the people online. Maybe God will come to me for my opinion one day. But until then, I've realized that what I need to do is accept that God was intentional in the way he made us. And he's made us reliant on him and relational with each other for a reason. And as our creator, I think that he's done that because God knows that for us to experience life and life to the full, then we should live in company with him and in connection with each other. The full life, that idea of the full life, life and life to the full, life and life in all its fullness, comes from a verse in the Bible. And it's in John chapter 10, verse 10, it says this. It says, Jesus came that you may have life and life to the full. And I've been asking, like, but what is life and life to the full? What does that look like? What is the full life? Is the full life like 
just 100% happiness. Like, you're just so happy all the time. Everything's rosy. Is life and life to the full like having an absolute great career in your dream job where you are just so pleased with it? Is life and life to the full where you are just so busy, like you've got so much on every day, you've got so much that you need to get done, you're just so productive, like life is just so manic for you. Is that what a full life is? Is life and life to the full one with a partner, two and a half kids and a labradoodle? I mean, it sounds like a good life. Is it the full life? Is life and life to the full having so much money that you don't need to worry about life? I think that if you strip all that away, life is so full life is so much simpler. It's simply learning the art of living in company with God and in connection with each other. And that phrase, each other, living in connection with each other, is a phrase that is found throughout the New Testament and it is translated in the Greek as alelon. Alelon. Alelon? Alelon. Do you think I've got that? Yeah, that's my best Greek. Okay, let me, let me try again. Alelon. That better? Say it for me. How do you think you say it? Alelon. Okay, we're going to go with that. Alelon. Alelon. This concept of alelon. I feel a little Greek now. That's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> this concept of alelon is written about in the New Testament 100 times. 100 times you will find the phrase alelon, which means each other, one another, otherness, togetherness, community, and connection. And last time I was up here, I told you that the Old Testament was full of examples of Emmanuel, of God with us. Now I'm telling you the New Testament is full of alelon, otherness. It's like the promise of the Old Testament is God is with you. And the instruction of the New Testament is, but what about everybody else? What are you going to do with that Emmanuel? Where are you going to take that? How will you put that to community and connection? There's a great way that this is summed up in the Bible, and it's in Hebrews, which is in the New Testament. Chapter 10, if you want to read along with it, verses 24 and 25. And this is a great example of that alelon connection. It says this, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but let's encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And there is loads of other examples in the New Testament of times when God's given us instructions about how to help each other, how to be there for one another, how to live in connection and community with one another. 1 Thessalonians is another example. Chapter 5, verse 11, it's so simple. It just says, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are doing. This alelon instruction is togetherness. It's otherness. It's community. It's meaningful connection. And I think that that is the heartbeat of God's desire for you to experience that full life, that life and life in all of its fullness. Community is so important. In the Bible, um, I found out recently, fluffing my hair. Found out recently that Paul, who is a writer in the Bible, a key person in Christian life and history, uses the phrase "my Lord" once, but he uses the phrase "our Lord." I think it's 24 times, and it's like this reminder that the Christian life, that life following faith, is one not to be done on our own, 
but it's to be enjoyed and experienced and embraced with each other. Life, friends, is too difficult to go alone. God warned as it would be right in Genesis when he says, don't do life alone. He knew it'd be hard and we have been designed to do it together. I don't believe that God's desire for us is disconnection or isolation. And maybe that's why loneliness hurts so much because it's the opposite of what God wants for us. So perhaps loneliness is on the increase because we've forgotten about that alelon instruction of the New Testament to look out for each other. And to put it in another way, perhaps loneliness is on the increase because what we've done is put me before we. Perhaps what we've done is got so used to living a life because society tells us to live a life that's me, myself, and I. Me and my agenda. Me and my preferences. Me and my time. Me and what works for me. Me and my capacity. Me and my opinions. Me and my friends. Me and my circle. Me and my comfort zone. And like psychologists would hate me if I said that, that you should abandon this because you shouldn't. You are important. You are worthy of me time. It is okay to look after me, myself, and I. But Jesus modeled how as much as we can take the me and we can take ourselves into times of aloneness and solitude and we can get away with God, how we can spend time looking after ourselves, what's so important is that we bring the me into we. Society would tell us to just look after me. But I believe that the Bible says, if you want to experience life and life to the full, if you want to experience the fullness of God, we have to put we before me. We have to live in the pursuit of Alelon, of that instruction of let's look out for each other. Let's put us on the back burner sometimes so that we can make way for other people. Loneliness, like we talked about last time, is like everywhere. There's no environment or space or place or person that's exempt from loneliness. And I know this to be true maybe more than ever um, than any other space in church. And I've been around enough churches to know that it isn't just this church. Like every church in every denomination in every town has experiences of church loneliness. Sometimes it's the elephant in the room where we can decide not to talk about the fact that sometimes it's a bit awkward and a bit lonely in church life. I just want to get the elephant out the room and say, friends, sometimes church is lonely. Sometimes we will feel frustrated because people haven't made an effort with us. Sometimes we will feel like I'm sat on my own again and this is really awkward. And it breaks my heart, really, that church is a common place for loneliness to exist. I'm sad about the fact that people leave church because they don't feel they've connected with anyone. I'm sad about the fact that in church communities, there's too many people who are on the outside feeling like outsiders looking in rather than feeling like they are inside looking out for others. And I think it's time that the church rose up 
and made an impact and made a difference and made a dent in loneliness. So the church as a global church, not just a local church, the church and each one of us as bodies and parts of the church could make an example to our outside community that this is what connection looks like. This is what friendship looks like. This is what togetherness looks like. This is what it looks like to create space for community and connection. This is what it looks like to put others before us. And I believe that the church is best place to do that because we know what it's like to experience church loneliness. And maybe you do. Maybe you know what it is to have weathered the storms of awkward Sunday mornings where you just don't feel like you connect with people. Maybe you are tired of trying. Maybe connect groups just do your head in because you're like, they're just not for me. I pray that the church would have a season for the rest of this year where actually we see church loneliness decrease because what we choose to do is be an example of connection and community. I pray that we would be an example of that Alelon instruction of looking out for each other, of looking to others, and of making space for community and connection. We can see that in Acts in the Bible. There's this story of like the early church. It's called the first church sometimes, the first example of church that we have. This story is in Acts chapter 2 if you want to read it, if you want to follow along, or if you want to read it later. It's from verse 42 to 47, and it says this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals. A deep sense of awe came over them, and all the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I love that passage and that story of, of church because what it looks like to me is a group of people who have decided that every now and again, I'm going to put we first. I'm going to put me just there so that I can make space for community and connection. I think that that looks like a group of people who said, I know sometimes it'll be inconvenient, but what I'm going to do is embrace the awkwardness and I'm going to go for togetherness and otherness and connection and community and see what God does. And look what he did in verse 47. He added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I think that that is a great example of how we can approach and make a dent in and put an end to church loneliness. And I think that putting we before me at church looks like this. I think it looks like sometimes looking at the door over there and looking for people who walk in and look like, I don't know where to sit. I think it looks like us going, do you want to come and sit with me? I think it looks like going, oh, Hi, I've seen you like loads, but I haven't actually talked to you. My name's Lois. What's your name? I think it looks like staying for a coffee after church, which we're going to talk about later, and being like, do you want to come and grab a coffee with me? We've not, like, spoke before. It's going to look like asking people's names and then maybe forgetting them and then maybe just asking them again. Looking out for each other is going to look like walking across a room to someone you don't really recognize and saying, is it your first time here? 
Looking out for others is going to look like going to connect group when you really can't be bothered and you're really, really tired. Looking out for others, but in the we before the me and in choosing togetherness and otherness, sometimes is going to be really awkward and really, really inconvenient and really uncomfortable. And you know, like when I have this quite a lot where I go to have a conversation with someone and I'm like, I just want them to feel welcomed. So I go over and I'm like, hi, I'm Lois, nice to meet you. And then I cannot think of anything else to say. And I'm like, it's really nice to see you, mate. And I'm like, please, Lord, I need to think of some more sentences. I've got to get beyond that. And it's really scary sometimes to leave the convenience and the comfort zone of me. Because here is safe. And in here, I hang out with the people I know. And I'm comfortable with these people. And I know what to say. And then I leave and I go on my merry way and I carry on with life. But here... This is where people will find friendship and they will find connection. And this is where people will find that they don't have to pretend in life. They can come and they can be real and we will weep together. We will laugh together. We will celebrate together. We will mourn together. We will cry together. We'll probably argue. We'll disagree sometimes. We'll agree sometimes. But that's okay because we will do it together. And Jesus will be like, that's life and life to the fullness being real and doing it all together. So sometimes it's going to look awkward. Sometimes having a conversation with someone you don't really recognize, but you actually come to the same place every Sunday, so you have actually got something in common, is going to involve a bit of small talk. And sometimes what we need to do is embrace the awkward. And you might be thinking, but I'm actually all right. Like, I have got a really good community. I like my connect group, or I like not going to a connect group, or I like the people I sit with, or I'm fine just rocking up on my own. And I am so pleased with you, so pleased for you. Like, I'm proud of you. I'm just pleased for you. My challenge to you would be, what will it cost you to look out for others so that you can welcome other people into the comfort zone that you've created? It will be costly and it might be inconvenient. And yes, it will lead us to go from a place of convenience to connection. It will take us from comfort zones to community. And I don't want you to hear me wrong. What I don't want you to think is that I'm saying you are lonely because you don't talk to anyone or that you're lonely because you're so selfish and you're always sit on your own. Shot. I don't want you to think that I'm saying you're so lonely and it's all your fault. I am not saying that. I am saying this. I am saying that I think loneliness is on the rise in church because society tells us to put, where is it? To put me first. I'm saying that loneliness exists because we've forgotten how to embrace the awkward, how to introduce ourselves to new people, how to make way on our row for people to sit with us, how to turn up when it feels like I can't be bothered turning up. But one conversation and one smile and one introduction and one invitation or one text to say, do you want to meet up for coffee even if you hate coffee? I don't know, meet up for a glass of water. One of those things could be the difference for someone between feeling like I am all alone. I am treading these waters all alone. That one text or that one conversation or that one invitation or that one smile or that one, do you want to come and sit with me? Could be what makes somebody feel like I belong here. There is a place for me. There is an invitation for me to experience the fullness of God.
Before I finish, I want to tell you just a couple of things and ways that I think we can do that. Because as a team, we are um, really keen to reflect God's heart for us to live in company with him and in connection with each other. And usually what we do if someone has an idea, right, just I'm going to do things backwards. Usually what happens is someone comes up with an idea, then we talk about it as a team, and then we put things in place, and then we're like, we need, we'll like find people to make it happen, and then we'll be like, and here we are, people, welcome. I'm just going to do it backwards, because all like basically everyone's been on holiday. So I'm going to throw out some ideas, and I need your help. We need your help, because we are committed to making spaces for community and connection, but we need your help to do it. The first way is, like I've already mentioned, connect groups. If you don't know, connect groups exist as small groups throughout the week. They are people who just get together to keep doing life together. There's one that runs in the week. Lynn brought a dog to it this week, didn't you, Lynn? It was great fun. There's some that run online. There's some that run in the evening. There's some that run in the daytime. I would encourage you, have you got space in your calendar to join a connect group? It might be that you don't feel like you need it, but what you do is when you join a connect group, when you're part of it, you're saying, I want to be part of a space for community and connection. So that if somebody else comes along and is like, I want to make friends, there is a group that exists for them. So connect groups, if you want to join in a connect group, you can do that. You can sign up. We will put it up there. The second thing is we want to make space on a Sunday after our service for you to connect with each other to just have a brew. Like for me, I'm a self-confessed brew gal. Every com conversation is easier over a cup of tea. We would love to just open this space for a little bit after a Sunday service for you to hang out, have a cup of tea and connect with each other. So that actually what we don't do is we don't just turn up on a Sunday, sit and go. We turn up on a Sunday, gather and grow. So that on a Sunday we have space to go, how actually are you? How was you eat? Do you want a coffee? How are you doing? And we want to like, listen to feedback from people who have said that would really help us. And listen, as we try to make space for community and connection, we are going to get it wrong. We have got it wrong in the past. We'll get it wrong again. But we just want to try ideas and see what happens. We want to make space for that on a Sunday service so that you can just stay for a cup of tea or a coffee or a biscuit or a brew. But we need people to make it happen. So... It's no more glamorous than joining a brew team. Like, that's it, isn't it, Di? It's basically helping us to make brews. And then we, what we would like to do is, as the weeks go on, we would like to invite you to stay after a Sunday. You can do it today because Di is kindly going to clear up the brews afterwards. So that on a Sunday, you have a space after the service if you want to hang out for a cup of tea. So the first one is, would you join a connect group? The second one is, would you join the brew team? It's not the official title, but I think it should be retitled, The Brew Team. The third thing is, maybe you are like, no, I don't want to sit next to someone with a cup of tea. That is not my thing. Maybe your thing is getting out in nature and walking and running. I, I got an idea. Who's up for a running club? Oh, yeah, I'm not going to lead it. I will sit with my coffee and I'll watch from the outside. Just an idea. We could have a group of people. We could make space for community and connection outside of this building. That actually maybe once a month we get together and we're like, we're going on a walk. We're going for a run. I'm going to waddle behind you because I'm a little bit slow. And we can bring people into that community and connection. Maybe you're like, I love walking. Do you know what? I can help with that. I can head that up. I can plan a route. Maybe that's something you could get involved in. Maybe 
I'm coming to an end, don't worry. Maybe you're a good cook. Maybe you can cook a cracking jollof. Or like, you just know how to whip up a great quiche. Maybe you give Mary Berry a run for the money. Do you know what we'd love to do? On a Sunday, like Acts 2, we'd love to share meals together. We'd love to be like, do you want to stay for Sunday dinner, guys, and have some food? And every time I think to myself, I'd offer, but I, I, fun fact, I've given someone food poison from a baked potato. So you do not want me to cook for you people. So if you can cook, then why don't you be like, Lois, save your baked potatoes, I'll cook for you. Maybe that's a way that you can get involved with putting others first, with being like, I don't have much to offer, but I can cook for you. So that on a Sunday, we can say, hey, friends, do you want to stay for Sunday dinner? Do you want to stay here and hang out and have some food and have space for community and connection? They are just like a, of ideas Ooh, and examples of things and ways that we just want to create space for community and connection, and we want you to be a part of it. We believe that the fullness of life can be enjoyed in company with God and in connection with each other. And my question to you is, what will that look like for you? God says, don't do life alone. It's too flipping hard. Let's do it together. Let's help each other as we embrace the fullness of life.